Hello, this is Calvin Driscoll, and I want to welcome you to the Real Leaders Podcast. This podcast is specifically designed to equip you with godly leadership skills that can be applied to all areas of your life. Throughout this podcast, my dad, Pastor Mark Driscoll, will be sitting down with some world-renowned pastors and ministry leaders to learn what it really means to be a real leader. For more content like this, we encourage you to visit realfaith.com. Now enjoy today's Real Leader Podcast. Howdy, welcome to uh, Real Leaders. Uh, we're going to talk about the Bible from the Bronco. Loving the brand new first edition Bronco. Best vehicle I ever drove. Incredible. Got a long road trip. Figure I'd knock out some ass pastor marks. Um, we're going to do, I'm thinking, six parts on preaching. And uh, we're going to talk about the common mistakes that preachers make. So if you're a Bible teacher, preacher, Sunday school leader, you get to communicate publicly, youth pastor, senior pastor, uh, worship pastor, whatever the case may be, uh, there's just some bad habits and they kind of get modeled, meaning somebody does it and then it's sort of monkey see, monkey do, and everybody starts doing it and it's a bad habit that everybody gets into. So want to address some of those and how do I know that these are mistakes? Because I've made every single one of them and what is, I think, now my 26th year as a senior pastor preaching through books of the Bible. So the first category is going to be personal, and then we'll get into technical, and then emotional, style, pacing, and then theological. That's at least what I got on the list. So we'll talk personal first, and here's the big idea. If you're going to preach, you're going to teach. Uh, They'll tell you a lot in Bible college, seminary, how to prepare the message, which is super important. You're delivering God's word, but it's equally important to prepare not just the message, but the messenger. And this means you're going to need silence and solitude, not time just to prepare a sermon, uh, but to prepare uh, the sermon bringer, the sermon giver, and that's you. So for me, this looks like uh, regular time in prayer, Um, not just being a good you know, message deliverer, but a Christian uh, doing the stuff that Christians do, getting time for prayer, Bible study, uh, Sabbath day. I like to hike in the woods. That's kind of my sermon prep time. I I study, um, you know, using logo software in my laptop and my books in my library. But really where I dial it in is I I prayer hike. I go up to the woods and I try once one day a week, go for a a hike and just get with the Lord. Because before you talk to the people, you need to listen to the Lord. You need to hear what it is that he has to say to you. And then that's what he'll say through you. And if you've been fighting with your wife, it's repenting. If you've been ignoring your kids, it's asking their forgiveness. And it's getting yourself in order so that you're most prepared to get up and deliver God's word. Uh, This means as well, you got to get your sleep the night before. And that means the day of your preaching and teaching, uh, letting your team know, hey, don't bring me any crises, emergencies, big decisions. Right now, I'm like a sniper. I got to scope in my shot. I got to do my job. And I can't have a lot of distractions unless it's ultimately totally necessary. Um, I tell people as well, like, I I love you. I'm your pastor. But, you know, right now, as I'm heading up to preach, I probably can't fix a counseling issue or some sort of crisis, Uh, another staff member is going to need to take care of that because I've got a lot on my mind. And what happens is people think, well, I'm just going to church. Well, they're going to church, but you're going to work. And so for you, it's a work day, not just a day to catch up with friends and hang out. This means as well, 
thinking through, let's say you're married, you got a wife, kids, uh, for some years, oh, the brakes are good on the Bronco, uh, for some years when our five kids were little and I was preaching, I think the most I ever did for some years was a suicide mission, almost killed myself, six, seven sermons on a Sunday, Grace would go to church and she's basically a single mom. I mean, you don't think about it. Everybody else, they get to go to church as a family, you know, and dad's helping mom get the kids breakfast and bathe and, you know, get their clothes on and get in the car and get to the church and get out of the church and get checked in. Not mom. Um, if, if her husband's a bastard, she's a single mom. So do you have a plan too, uh, so that your wife and kids are taken care of so that you're not distracted? You're not, you know, worried about them. And uh, does that mean, you know, a designated spark parking spot for mom? Maybe somebody uh, on the team, there's, you know, their Sunday, whatever day you meet, Wednesday night, Saturday, whatever their volunteer position or staff job is. Hey, uh, help the pastor's wife get unpacked and get the kids out of the car and get into service because usually then there's a bunch of people that want to talk to her and the kids are running around and things can get a little crazy. And so if we can help the pastor and the pastor's spouse get set up for a win, that's good. And so that's more the personal preparation. Simple things as well, like uh, if you're an extrovert before you get up to teach, you're going to want to be in the room. You're going to want to hang out with people. You're going to want to you know, feed off the energy. If you're an introvert like me, that's the last thing you want. I mean, you want to get focused, get up and say what you got to say, maybe hang out with people afterward, but you got to stay focused. And so if you're an introvert, you need a quiet place to gather your thoughts, pray. Um, if you're an extrovert, maybe you need to be down there, you know, just get pumped up with the people. And everybody's different. And most um, really strong preachers are introverts, not extroverts. That's why they do um, monologue, not dialogue. It's why they would rather not be in a small group or a classroom setting chatting with people. They would rather be up front just delivering a message. Oftentimes they spend a lot of time in their head. They tend to be quasi-nerds. They like dead people and reading books and being in their study. And so um, usually someone is either really good at uh, preaching or really good at shepherding. And very rarely is there someone who's really good at both. And so it's just being honest about who you are and how you work and how you operate. And you uh, need to know that after you preach and teach, you're going to be tired. You're going to have an adrenaline let down. And um, some have said that preaching, not just sitting on a stool sharing your feelings, but like getting up, quoting a verse, punching Satan in the mouth for an hour, that that kind of work is about the same um, exhaustion level as eight hours in a typical or regular job. It's because you're engaging all the systems. It's physical, mental, spiritual, emotional. And uh, it's not just people in the room. It's powers, principalities, and spirits. Demons show up for church, too. And some people bring demons with them. And it's going to be exhausting. Satan's going to try and give you brain fog, discouragement, distraction, um, so that you can't clearly deliver God's word. And so your war is not against flesh and blood, but powers, principalities, and spirits. And so you're going to need to be focused. You need to be prayed up. You're going to need to be hydrated. And it'd probably be good to have some people praying for you while you're preaching and give yourself some recovery time afterward. And also just to protect your throat. I used to use something called proctors. It's, uh, I think it was opera singers in uh, England used to use them. What I really like today is uh, it's from essential oils. It's doTERRA cough drops. 
all natural, really good. Worst thing you can do, honey, sugar, dairy, all bad. Don't just grab an over-the-counter cough drop. It's probably got a lot of sugar. Um, I've had really good luck preserving my throat over the years. I've never lost my voice or missed a sermon because of vocal strain, which is pretty ridiculous the number of times that I've preached. But it's also just caring for your overall well-being, and, and your throat's a big part of that. Just a couple other things on the personal side. Uh, when you get up to preach and teach, don't underestimate the nonverbal. It's not just what you say that communicates. Everything communicates. Uh, the reason I preach with a big Bible, always have. I don't have a problem with an iPad, but I just like to actually hold the Word of God, point to the Word of God. I like to put the text up on the screen so that we are together reading the Bible in the church and they're hearing and seeing it for themselves. It's just constantly communicating, hey, this is God's Word and it's our highest authority. Personal things as well, like how are you going to dress? Some traditions, you put on a full suit. Other times, if you're a youth pastor and you show up in a full suit, uh, you're either weird or a fundamentalist. Um, if you are a youth pastor, you're probably going to dress kind of cool. But if you're my age and you wear ripped skinny jeans and uh, try and act cool, it's just weird. kind of creeps people out. So you got to dress age appropriate. you got to dress appropriate for the moment. Some churches are casual. Some churches are more formal. Some churches want their pastor to look like he's running for president. Others want him to look like their best friend that they would go out and shoot pool with. But whatever you wear communicates and, uh, and how you present yourself. In addition, nonverbal communication matters a lot. If you uh, keep looking at your notes, you're just communicating a lack of preparation. If you say um or ah or a lot of pause and fill words, it just denotes nervousness. If you're monotone with your voice, you're not expressing what is important. Because people don't just remember what you say, they also get excited about what you get excited about. So if you raise your voice, if you change your body language, you're communicating something. We communicate a lot with our facial expressions, which is why you need eye mag so that people can see your facial expressions if you're beyond, let's say, 50 to 55 feet away from the people. Uh, in addition, if your posture slouched over, if your hands are in your pocket, if your hands are you know, folded across your chest the whole time, your body is communicating nonverbal messages. And, uh, and what I found as well, if you do things like, on certain occasions, uh, change your intonation, change your uh, volume, or change your eye level. Like uh, I'm an old catcher. Uh, every once in a while, I'll get down in a squat position and just look the people in the eye. And by changing the levels, you're drawing the room in. And you're saying, this is a more intimate, personal moment. Um, guys like Charles Haddon Spurgeon, incredible, legendary preacher, used to practice uh, their preaching in front of a mirror. That's what a good comedian or a politician will do. They want to see their body language, their facial expressions, and what in total they are communicating. Um, the other thing as well, when you get up to preach and teach, just remember that ultimately it's first and foremost about uh, bringing the Word of God to the people of God. And, uh, and so you want to stay focused on God and the people. And you don't want to draw a lot of attention to yourself. Uh, it's good in a sermon to use yourself as a negative example of failure or repentance. And it gives people a sense of, okay, I guess we can be honest here. If you're the guy who only and always is the hero of the story, you know, here's what the Bible says and here's how I've done it. 
then the people think, um, you know, either their pastor is perfect or it's a church filled with perfect people and you can't be honest about your own stuff, or it creates a really religious environment where nobody is really honest about their stuff. And you don't want to pastor a bunch of religious people. I mean, they are, they are no fun at all. They want to talk about everybody's sin but their own. And so you can model for the people, hey, we're honest, we repent, we own our stuff. Now, if you do that too much and you're always talking about your failures, they'll be like, why is this guy up front? He gets everything wrong. And so, you know, you want to spend most of your time giving principles for the people and using other people for positive examples, yourself occasionally for a negative example. And it is okay sometimes to talk about yourself as a positive example, saying, you know, by God's grace, you know, here's what I learned and I did what God said and it actually worked. Because you are a Christian, you got good days and bad days, just like everybody else. But what you don't want to do is you don't want to shift the focus and attention in the room to yourself. This is not like a 12-step meeting where you get up front and everybody's really fixated on your story. You're there to help love, serve, unburden, bless, teach, reach the people who are present in the room. And if the sermons are always about you and what you're dealing with and how you feel and what you're struggling with, people may relate to you, but you're being pretty selfish and you're shifting all of the energy into the room to where everybody is taking care of you rather than you taking care of everybody, which is the job of the shepherd. The job of the shepherd is not to have the sheep you know, worried about the shepherd, but the job of the shepherd is to look after the sheep. Uh, that being said, as well, you'll have to think through what you want to do after you're done preaching. Do you want to be down on the floor to meet with people? Do you want to be, you know, over in guest services to meet the new folks? Do you want to be on the prayer team for the folks that uh, have an issue or a need? And if you don't decide where you're going to be, what will happen is the same kind of hurting people every week are going to find you and they just want to catch up. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but what about the new people that you haven't gotten to meet? about the lost people that got a question and so where you position yourself after the sermon is really important and it kind of says what is important if you're at the, if you preach and you're on the prayer team it says that that's important if you preach and you're over at guest services it says that the new people well they're important if you preach and you're over with the evangelism team it says that lost people are the priority so where you position yourself after the sermon is really important and it's not necessarily a bad thing to move around because it just it shows that it is all a priority and all those people are a priority. Um, so that's just kind of the personal preparation and um, just getting you ready and your heart ready and your family ready for the preaching and teaching of God's Word. And uh, in the next one, we'll deal with some technical stuff and uh, the ways that uh, some common mistakes are made and who hasn't got up with a microphone off and their fly on. See you in the next one. We hope today's message impacted you and they will continue to bless your life and legacy for generations to come. For more Real Leaders content, visit realfaith.com slash realleaders. And to sign up to get Real Leaders content straight to your inbox, visit realfaith.com slash sign up.